Uh, nothing serious. Nothing serious. I'm pleased to say a few knocks and bruises as usual, a few aches and pains, but nothing serious. Been on the grass this morning. A um, couple we left out, but only really for, you know, common sense reasons. Anyone extra then potentially missing for the weekend from what you have? Uh, not on today's news, though. Uh, good reaction from the game and everyone should be fine. Oh, uh, sorry. Um, uh, Wayne with his ankle. He probably will be missing from the group, yeah. He, he, he needed an injection to calm his ankle down, so he probably will miss from the group at the weekend. And Dale Stevens, of course, he's still coming out from a longer-term situation. You spoke last night about some of your players potentially staking a claim for a starting spot against uh, Brentford. Where's your most difficult decision with regards to the selection this weekend? I think they're all difficult decisions, you know, because when you're trying to find a, a winning formula, um, what can you change? Sometimes the bravest thing and the hardest thing to do is not change anything, actually. Um, we've did, been down that road before because we believe in what we're doing. And, and this is nearly one of those moments in the sense that I, th I think we're performing well. I think we did against a good Tottenham outfit again last night um, with a mixed group, but still looked like a side, looked like a team that was organised, knew what they were doing. Certainly a team that were fighting to win a game. Um, so a lot of good things, but got to keep twisting and tweaking to try and find the right formula that will just change things in our favour. Um, along with the, like I say, the ideal that you might just believe in what it does and stick with stick with the uh, the shape, stick with the organisation, stick with the people. Um, but they're the decisions that, you know, you can only tell after the event. You make them before the game, but you've got to get the result to make them work. You're not the sort of person I can imagine panicking in any situation. Um, but with regards to this search for a league win, when does it tip over, I suppose, from the belief it's going to come to a concern that perhaps it's getting overdue if you want to get the points you need to make sure you're comfortable? Well, you can always get the points you need. We've seen it down the years, varying stories. I mean, you don't want to be one of them amazing stories, but if that's what it needs, then that's what it needs. Um, but at the end of the day, we, you know, our players believe in the performance levels. That's a good start. We obviously are not naive. We've got to turn them into wins. I've, I've mentioned that a lot. This word panic, you know, a lot of people ask about it and I totally get it. Panic's not for, in my opinion, um, not for a game of football and football management. There's a lot of things in life that go on that are worth a lot more panic than a game of football and football management. I think structure, organisation, belief, strategy, believe in the people you do work with, trust them. A lot of trust is involved, honesty, all these things. So if you ever think of that word, then taking, in my opinion, taking that away from your staff, the way we work, the way we operate, the feel in the, uh, the training ground, the culture, the environment, they're all the things that allow me clarity or more clarity. Um, so that's how I work. It's not about, um, of course, you, you, you have concerns and you have ideas and you have thoughts. But I, th I don't think, I think panic's a word not for football management. I think panic's, there's a lot more in life and a lot more things happening, a lot more serious things happening in life than, than putting a football team together and trying to organise it to win a game. IFAB have recommended that the five subs in football comes into law. Um, you've been clear on record in the past on this. Um, have you used change at all? Now you've seen it in action essentially over the last couple of years in this league and others. No, the, the point was I made, it, it's, it's favourable to the big clubs, quite obviously. Um, they carry big squads of, of top, top players. Um, it's, it can only be favourable. The more subs and the more availability of subs, the more they can use. It helps keep the group that they might have active and therefore a bit more settled as well. So uh, less on the management off the pitch with a group of um, professionals who all want to play, um, which I do understand that side, actually, because the way, the way Premier League football and, and all football, but certainly Premier League football is gone. There are bigger squads, factually. There is a lot of money spent on these squads. So I get that side of it. 
But when you go to competitive advantage, then it has to be more competitively advantageous for a group that have 25 international footballers and can use five, five of them as subs, let's say. Um, then it is a smaller group like ourselves who, you know, haven't got that availability. That's, that's just an obvious fact. But I do understand the reasons why they'd consider it. Of course, with growing squads and the amount of money they're putting into these squads now, they have to try and find a way of keeping them active and allowing them the chance to be used. Can you quantify how much, if it does distort the game in the big club's favour? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not bright enough or analytical enough to do that. Um, I can assure you of that. I'm sure there'll be some statistician somewhere who can... I, I actually said that word right. I normally struggle with that one. I'm sure there'll be someone somewhere who can uh, give you the, uh, the conundrum or the puzzle of what it is, but not me. Did you fear, though, once it came in, essentially even as a kind of provisional measure, that it may well become permanent? No, yeah, like I say, you can't fear it. It's just the powers that be. They'll make decisions. You know, uh, I certainly don't know. We, are, we, we now and again get asked our opinion on these things, of course, and there are votes usually through chairman and stuff like that. Um, but, no, I mean, it, it, the rules are the rules. Whatever the rules change to, we've tried to adapt to, whether it be rules on the pitch, rules about squads, we've always tried to adapt to what's put in front of us. So I think that's, that's just what we'd simply do. Lovely. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Kate Cassidy, PLP. Hi, Sean. Nice to see you. Hiya. Um, me last night was obviously back in the starting lineup. How's he feeling this morning in particular? And do you think we can expect him for another full start against Brentford? Well, I was pleased with the decision to not get him involved at Southampton because he'd only had literally one day's training. I didn't think that was right for anyone in our group, even our captain. Um, he came in last night, slotted in as I'd expect, played well. You know, he knows the job. He's a very good player. And I think them extra days of training helped him with that. And he's come through unscathed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's certainly back in the group without, without a doubt and back in the, the thinking of the game. And we touched on just a minute ago about perhaps the difficult decisions that you've got, the luxury of perhaps some of the decisions and that kind of is based in the back line. I mean, Nathan Collins has been doing a pretty good job in Ben Mee's absence. How do you see them working together? Well, I see the challenge of management is having them, them tough decisions, but good decisions when everyone's fit. You want that. That's why you build squads, of course. Um, so that's part of my job. The competitive element is what I've been searching for for many years here. And I think we have got a very competitive group and there's some fine margins now between some of the positions and who's playing and who's not. You want that to stimulate the group and continue to stimulate the group. Um, you want it to turn that group into a competitive one that can win. That's the bit that we're searching for now. Um, but generally happy with the group and happy with the demand of them. Connor Roberts was another one that kind of slotted into that back four pretty seamlessly last night. Um, what does he bring to the team and how important is it for you now to control and consider his development rather than perhaps just throw him in at the deep end? Yeah, well, he was a bit last night, I must say. Ideally, he'd have had more game time, um, but he got some in the, in the international window. Um, he's a very fit lad, I must say that. You know, he's a strong sort of lad. I know he'd had an injury when we got him, but he's a strong type and, he, and he's a good athlete. Um, I thought he adapted very well last night. Um, he can offer the growth in a player, youngish player coming into the Premier League, of course, and all that it brings, his natural maturation along with the coaching. I mean, we're pretty much leaving him alone at the minute just to get his, his head round the group and how we work. A bit like with Nathan, we're showing him a few things, but, you know, we, we let, sometimes you, you can interrupt it. Like, let them go first, in my belief, let them go first, see what they're offering, and then try and guide them to where we want them to be and where they need to be. Um, so Connor at this stage is adapting to what we do. He enjoyed playing last night, enjoyed being around the group at Southampton just to get a feel of it. Um, and he's certainly a player that we hope 
and we're looking forward to developing over the future along with Nathan as well. You know, they're the next level of play. We want to keep pushing the older group as we go forwards. And um, Max Corney, I mean, obviously, I think probably a few fans were happy to see him not play the full match last night. Is um, his fitness at all a concern to you in terms of adapting here, especially given kind of the cramp we saw at Southampton and before that with the hamstring? Yeah, we've had to be careful. Um, not because he's not generally fit, because he is. Um, good athletic type. It's just that the Premier League is different. You know, I've said it all along. And many managers, by the way, you know, got to remember that when we when we do um, go into sort of new grounds for us, many managers have told me, managers who work with some really elite players said, it often takes some time for the physical adaptation of the Premier League. Um, so I've always had that at the back of my mind. We saw it with Stephen Defoe when he got truly fit and what a player he turned out to play. Unfortunately, injury cost him. Uh, but what a player when he was fully fit. Took him a while. I think Max would be a bit quicker than that. Um, I think he's developing into the group as well. So we're just really being careful with that. It's not about uh, we want him to play minutes. We, we like what he's doing. We like what he's offering the group. Just finding that careful line between pushing him and maximising his, his uh, uh, playing time to get fitter and sharper without breaking him. And I think that's always a tricky one. I mean, what we have seen from him so far has been pretty impressive. I mean, the three goals and what, four, four appearances now. Um, what do you think has enabled him to settle in the team so quickly here? Is that testament to you, testament to the rest of the team? I think we've got a good atmosphere around the training ground, a good group of players who accept uh, people very quickly and allow them to kind of, you know, be in the group. I think that's helpful. Um, his adaptation to the language and the culture has been excellent so far. I mean, he's learning the language, but I mean, the feel of what we do, he's added to that. I think he's got an open-mindedness. We've certainly, another player, I've shown him a few clips about how the Premier League works. I've shown him a few clips about what, how we want him to work. And, and, and he's absorbing, you know, he's a good player. We know that. And he's, he's from, you know, good situation at Leon. I mean, they're a good club, you know, and he, he's learned well, it seems. And I think he'll continue to adapt. I think he'll continue to grow into what we do. But so far, he's made a really good start, obviously. And final one for me, I mean, Brentford, unbeaten on the road this season. Um, and at home, they've held some big clubs to some really tough performances. What have you made of their campaign so far? Have you been surprised at all? I think they've adapted in a different way. I think they're, they're playing a bit quick, quicker forwards. They're, they're playing aggressive in the right way, where they're running, where they're pressing, with the feel of a group that are new to the Premier League, that kind of uh, openness to the challenge, you know, that kind of shoulders back feeling that sometimes comes. We've seen it down the years. Um, and I think they're using that wisely. Um, but I don't underestimate anyone who gets in the Premier League, trust me. You know, you, if you're in the Premier League, you've deserved the right to be there for one. No one gets underestimated from us. We know they're in a good sort of place. I know they've lost a couple, but generally they're in a healthy place. You know, feel, I'm sure the feel in the group, that kind of, like I said, that open-mindedness to what comes next in the Premier League. Um, we've seen these teams before and it's not easy, but no game's easy in the Premier League. We don't, we don't take them any more lightly than any other team, I can assure you of that, particularly after the start they've made, of course. But we're in a good place ourselves. Like I say, you know, I, I can't underestimate where we are because I know the group and how we work. I know when we're working properly. I know when we're working well. I also know, as I always say, the details are massively important in the Premier League. We've got to get them right. Um, but the general level of performance is good at the moment and it's strong and statistically it's strong as well. 100%. Thank you, Sean. Best of luck. Thank you. Thanks, Casey. Uh, Dan Jewell, please. Hello. Hi, Birdie. Um, Brentford, you just touched on it there a little bit. We know it's difficult in the Premier League. We've talked about 
only a small number of clubs can consider themselves established in the past. Why do you think it is, from your experience, that teams who immediately come up, a good proportion of them do well, and then maybe it becomes more of a challenge later on? Um, I mean, the, you know, often, as you know, people have spoken down the years about the second season. Um, because the first season, as I'm suggesting, as you're probably suggesting, or going down that sort of line, it seems, of the open-mindedness to the challenge, shoulders back, you've just come up, not really an ex expectation, you know, you just take on the challenge right in front of you, maximising performance, the individual's trying to maximise performance too, we saw it with Sheffield United, an incredible season they had, we're seeing it a little bit with Leeds, I know they've got some injuries and, you know, I actually like what they do generally, but, you know, we're seeing it a little bit with their start to the season, it can be a big challenge, you know, and I, and I think uh, the undefinable thing sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe there's a realisation for some players, um, whether it be, you know, you get the first half of the season, then it's that strange thing about football sometimes where players kind of have that moment almost as if like, wow, have I got to do this every week, like week in, week out, week in, week out for the rest of the season, next season, the season after, the season after. And that's when we talk about players, championship players we've had ourselves who break through the ceiling and they become at ease with being in the Premier League, they understand it and they keep their consistency high. So it's not as simple as I'm saying, quite obviously, because we know as ourselves, when we came up the second time, we've stayed up, we've been in the division. So there is a, a period when you can learn from all them experiences. Um, the first season's tough enough. And then the second season, as I'm suggesting, is that longevity, that consistency, you know. But at the minute, I'm pretty sure that teams like Brentford, they won't be worried about that. They'll be thinking, right, can we get on with the next one? Um, well, certainly that would be my thoughts and it has been my thoughts in the past, still is. You know, the next one's the most important one. Um, but just giving you more of an overview, not about Brentford, just a feeling on the challenges of coming up from a division, the freedom that comes at first, the underdog spirit that comes, and then it goes away because people say, well, you're not underdogs anymore. You're in the Premier League. You've shown that. Well, they'll show us what you can do and that can sometimes change the psyche. Like I say, not about Brentford, just a little overview. Brentford's model, particularly with the recruitment, has been talked about a lot. Does it show them being in the Premier League and starting well that there are very different ways of doing things that can be equally successful? Yeah, and I think it shows it takes a long time, a lot of finance put into a model, because I know some of the backstory from Matt Benham, what he's achieved there, which is fantastic, but it's taken time. You know, there's been a lot of learning curves along the way. There's been a lot of mistakes along the way. He's been willing and they've been willing to make their mistakes on their journey to where they want to get to. Paid off, quite simply. Um, big big risk and reward scenario and they've done it well. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, they've done very, very well. There's no Both on the pitch with the, the, the coaching and the way they work and the players and off the pitch with their model of recruitment, their idea of analysing players, their ideas of banks of analysts working to analyse players that they can bring in. And they have put their neck on the line now and again. You know, they've, they've signed players for a lot of money, you know, more money than people think, actually, at times. And players that you didn't really know that much of. You kind of knew, but they have stuck their neck out a few times and it's paid them back. So fair play to them. Done a, done a good job as a club, through the ownership, it seems to me, into the team and still going well at the moment. How valuable is patience, that kind of stick with it, even if it doesn't immediately go right or go the way you would want it, not just in Brentford's circumstance, in football in general, I guess, in the position you're in at the moment. Yeah, it's a big part of it, both from yourself, the staff, the players, the belief has to stay, the the the, the idea of the, the, the patience, if you like, in the, the, the way that you're playing, the patience for the players to keep believing in the in the way that you're playing, to keep stimulated from the way you're playing, um, and results will come. We 
Slightly differently for us, we've got a lot of evidence that suggests that when we're playing well and we do the right things, then we can win games. Um, so that's helpful, I would say, for our players, not just the staff, not just myself, for the players as well. There's an underlying belief. That belief has to remain, though. It has to stay intact and we have to keep building on it. Um, you know, I say to the players all the time, it, it doesn't owe you anything football. You have to go and get it. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't wait for you to catch up. You have to go and make things happen. And our players know that, to be fair. They know that. I think you're a point worse off now than you were at this stage last season. Does that show you that if you approach it and attack it the same way as you did last year, then there isn't anything to be panicking, to use that word, about? As I've said, it's not about panic in my mind. It's about good preparation. It's about good delivery of performance. It's about organisation, strategy, mentality, all them things. So... We're putting them in place. I'm, I'm reasonably happy with that. I'm not happy with the results, quite obviously. Um, that's my job at the end of the day, to get results or help the team get results. Um, but there's a lot of good going on. So I can't be... Um, I, I'm not going to over-question things when I know for, for a fact they're right. It's just that you can't be naive enough to think they're so right that it's just going to mend itself. You know, we're going to win five on the trot. It's not as easy as that. You've still got the other team out there trying to stop you. They don't care about what's going on with us. Um, they just would care about winning a game. So, you know, my focus hasn't lost sight of the, the fact you've got to win. Um, but there is a, uh, there's got to be a feeling and a future in what you think you're delivering. And I think we're delivering performances that are very, very close. And we should have won games already. We know that, partly because of us. Um, we definitely should have won games already. I think the, the record points-wise certainly is, is similar to the season that you got relegated, which is some time ago. How different are you and, and the team and the club to then? Well, look, there's no guarantees, but I think we're in a considerably different place, it's fair to say. Um, I think that first season, I think we spent about eight million quid. So I think, you know, that wasn't, uh, it wasn't like we were throwing money around the Premier League at that time. And we mainly worked with a very small squad, um, a team that we felt could have a go at the Premier League, which we did. You know, we did have a challenge to try and stay in there. It didn't quite work. The second time round, we were stronger again. And I think we've got a strong squad now. You know, I do like the squad. I like how it's looking. I like how it's shaping up. The details within it, of course getting players to play right at the top of their maximum, which we've got a few situations, not quite there, not quite firing, but it's not a million miles away, that's for sure. You've mentioned looking statistically good a few times in, in pre- and post-match interviews. Have you got an example of, of how you are statistically kind of comparing to, to how Burnley teams have in the past? I know you might not have one off the top of your head, but... No, we just keep a, a good view on, you know, where we're at with it. Um, some of our markers are different pass maps that we know, pass amounts that we know, you know, because of years of doing it, efforts at goal, expected goals, all these things, efforts for their having at your goal, you know, blocks, shots, saves, all of them things. You know, the, the defining margin can be very, very tight, you know, and, it, and that's why stats and analysis doesn't win football matches. We just add it in. You know, you, you, you can't literally go purely on stats and facts. They're a guideline, quite obviously, especially never more so than modern football with player analysis, recruitment and team uh, analysis as well. But I'm, I'm certainly not a zealot to them, but you have to know roughly where they're at. And ours are pretty positive about what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to do. I think I'm right in thinking you've not scored a Premier League goal later than the 61st, 62nd minute so far this season. Does that alter perception? If you score loads of late goals and get yourself back in games, from the outside looking in, do people get an impression that you're doing better than maybe you are? Perception changes by the week. Perception changes by the day. Perception is the new truth. It's not the actual truth. It's just the new truth. So people perceive whatever they wish to perceive. You know, I just get on with the facts. Um, 
If the fact is we haven't conceded, uh, sorry, we haven't scored goals after the 60, guess what? Stats will suggest you will be scoring goals after the 61st minute coming up. Because the stats eventually start coming towards you. Eventually. However long it takes, the stats begin to come towards you. Said that about strikers. Strikers not scoring goals. Guess what? The stats are beginning to come your way. You get to a tipping point when the stats start coming back towards you. The point is you want to fast track them stats, of course, and bring them your way, not wait for them to come your way. So, you know, I, I don't overthink it. Like I say, I, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of the stats. I'm aware of the analysis. I'm certainly not a zealot to it. It's just another piece of the pie that you're trying to make the best pie you can. And does the same apply to home form? Because obviously at some yeah, point... Yeah, it applies to everything. Happens. It applies to everything in football. You know, every, everything goes on these things because you've got to analyse something. But there's no guarantees that that remains. You know, there's no guarantee season on season, week on week, your home form, your away form. Last season, for example, everyone talks about home form. Hardly anyone mentioned our away form. I think it was our best season, I think, in the Premier League. It might have been one of our best seasons in, in the history of being in top level, um, away from home, that is. So... There lies the balance, you know, a lot going on last year, of course, in the world and in sport, of course. But, you know, the, the balance is there for all to see. And, and like I say, the next one, the last one doesn't guarantee you the next one. Simple as that. So, so, yes, stats and analysis, I believe in it. I use it when I can. I don't think that it's just the only answer, that's for sure. You've managed to get to all that without saying statistician again. Well done. Thank you. Well, you said it as well as I did, and I thought I said it quite well. To be honest, I must mention, by the way, while you're on, um, I just recognised today George Boyd has finally hung them crazy boots up the ad. So he deserves a mention without a shadow of a doubt. Fantastic professional, fantastic career, what he's achieved, and, and just a top, top fella all round. Was it my hair that reminded you of that, or just that I've been around for a million years? Uh, it was nothing about you reminding me of George Boyd, I must make that clear. <laughs> it was worth a try. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Dan. Um, Ian Parker, Press Association, do you have a question? Uh, hi, Sean. Yeah, we, we've covered a lot of what I was going to ask already. So, one, Cheers. Just one brief Cheers, then. See you later. Uh, <laughs> oh, I just, sorry, um, you want more? Just more on Brentford. Um, Chris Fry has been talking about they want to play brave, exciting, attacking football. Do they leave opportunities for you in the way they play? Well, for starters, everyone wants to do that. Um, you know, bold statements, um, and they're doing it so far. Um, of course, there's, there's an alter situation to every situation. You know, they are coming on the press very quick. They're working very hard. Can you absorb that? Can you play beyond it? Can you play round it? Um, can you affect them to not allow them to press? Can you affect them to not allow them to mix their game like they do? And they can play physical, by the way. You know, I've got no gripes with that. That's for sure. And many seem to have, but I certainly haven't. Um, you know, they're, they're, they've, they've turned in themselves slowly, but surely they're turning themselves into a good outfit. Not that they weren't, but now they're showing it at the Premier League level. We certainly, as I said, won't be underestimating them. Do we think there's ways of operating to beat them? Of course we do. That's what you're in the, the game for, to learn ways of how to beat teams. Thank you. Thanks, Ian. Uh, Alex James, thanks, live. Hi, Sean. Hiya. Um, yeah, I was going to mention George Boyd, actually, so as soon as you've um, brought him into the conversation, obviously, how, how good a signing was he? Are you going to mention him after I mentioned him? It's good. It's good journalism. I was going to mention him before you mentioned him. Okay, no, of course. I am mentioning him after you mentioned yeah, him. Yeah, of course, yeah. How, um, how good a signing was he, was he for you? Just a word on sort of his time at the club, because he was one who, who came in for a relatively cheap fee. And I think I'm right in saying he was one you could sort of show the, the new training ground around to and sort of sell him the vision for the club a little bit as well. So. Well, uh, against what you're saying, it was actually a record fee at that time. Um, it was a low fee for us, but we weren't exactly dashing money around, I wouldn't say. Um, but it was a record fee at the time, around three, three million, I think. Um, 
Look, he's a fantastic pro. No two ways about it. Fit, one of the fittest players I've ever seen. Um, demanded of himself physically, without a doubt. Scored a, you know, a probably one of his shining moments. There's many, but his obvious one was scoring a goal against Man City. Fantastic finish. Scored some big goals for us. Affected us in, in a positive way. Good fella to have around as well. Just, just the type he was, you know. Um, and yeah, he was one of the first. We used to joke about it, actually, because... Towards the end of his time, I used to say, Boydie, remember when we were standing on the bridge and that was all marshland? Because that's what I showed him. And he was, you know, doing that thing when you're going, it's all going to be there. And at the back of your mind, you're thinking, please, board, please back that. Um, they did. And it did happen. And Boydie was one of the first to actually walk over the bridge and see what was meant to be there. At the time, it was just scrubland, marshland and all that. By the time he left, it was all there and he was in the building and he was still playing for us and doing a great job. Just looking ahead to, to Saturday and Brentford, we've spoken, or you've spoken a number of times on sort of trying to find a way to win and you've been a little bit more flexible in, in terms of formations and looking at different changes with your shape. I just wondered with the way Nathan Collins has hit the ground running and obviously you've got Ben Lee and, and James Tarkovsky and we all know what they're capable with, whether whether you've considered three at the back, whether that's ever sort of popped into your thinking as a, as a way of getting those three in the team all together. Every situation pops into your thinking. Um, most situations need work I've never been a fan of just throwing a team out there um, some managers do it actually and they make it work um, personally I like to work with a group on how they play the the yardage difference in 4141 and 4231 is only a matter of conversation when you go to three it's a different kind of way of playing so therefore it needs work you know putting a number 10 in or dropping a midfielder in still a difference but not as radical as people think it's usually a matter of yardage um, but when you go to a three, whether it be a three-five-two or three-four-three, there is a different role, of course. So I think that needs work, and I think it needs time. So if I was going to do that, it would probably be in a quieter period when you've got a bit more time. Certainly not in a week when you've got three games. Um, that wouldn't be my choice. Um, and historically, I do like four at the back. Um, I think it works well, and 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 we we've proven it works well, if you like. So part of it is the stats and the facts of how we work um, in the Premier League, especially. And just lastly for me, you've mentioned a few times about sort of remaining calm and <clears throat> believing in, in what you're doing, etc. You've got Ian Wayne and, and Steve Stone alongside you in the dugout and, and quite often you'll have sort of little... Therefore, like, obviously, we all know that. Managers, when you're winning, definitely you. When you're not, definitely them. We all know the rules. I know the rules too. I remind them of it on a weekly basis. Other, other than to um, shift the blame to them, how important... How important no blame, in fact. No blame. Who said blame? I didn't say blame. I just said shifting. Onto them. How important is it to have sort of those two as a sounding board in, in your corner, given their experience in, in football, their knowledge of the club, and obviously their, their relationship with you over the years? Relationship with me is irrelevant, other than just the fact that I trust them, they trust me, but the relationship's irrelevant. I want their input as coaches. I want their input about choices. I want their input on the training schedule. I want their input around the, the, the place of work, um, their personality. They're the things I look for. So... That's what we want from them. And they're, they're there. They're, they're doing a job. They're making sure that the players are stimulated. Along myself, of course, I'm pretty hands-on as a manager. I'm certainly out there every day. Uh, but they do their fair share. Um, no, I've been more than happy with the work they're trying to do. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got to be honest. Other than results, I'm actually really happy with what we're trying to achieve and how we're going about it. I've got to be honest. So I'm trying to... Uh, give a truthful opinion in in uh, interviews like I am now, it's been difficult because people eventually go, well, you keep saying that. And I go, well, what do you want me to say? You know, I get a lot of people come and watch us. 
not just ju- not not fr- not friends as in they just come and say the right things. I offer a lot of people outside of what we do who I can trust will tell me the absolute truth, say, come and watch us, give me your opinion. And often they're like me at the moment. They're like, you know, like a chance here, a decision there, uh, a, a, a better moment there, and you're winning games. So that that is frustrating for me to keep having to talk about it, but I'm just giving an honest view. If we weren't there and we weren't playing well, I think in my past you can, or certainly people on this call who know me, they'll vouch for the fact I've called it when I said, no, no, that's not good enough. So... But I've got to call it when we're not far away, and I don't believe we are. I think there's a lot of good going on here. Now, of course, you've got to show it because the biggest, most powerful thing you can do is win games. And that's when everyone goes, oh, yeah, they said there was some good going on there, but they believe more when you're winning. How, on that then, how important is it to try? Obviously, it's important to get that win as soon as possible. That, that's obvious. But how perhaps important is it to try and get one before this, this international break when there's then another two weeks of, of not At the end of the season... No one bothers whether you've got to win before the international break or after it. At the end of the season, the league will tell you where you are. For now, it's the next game's the most important one. Lovely. Thanks, John. All the best to Saturday. Thank you. Thanks.